0: Once again, welcome to the Metro Minute, where if you're looking for the best practices in public education, you're in the right place. Our next three casts take a look at what it's like to be a new, current, and retiring superintendent. So, for this first episode, Melissa Baker partners with Dr. Ty Weeks from Dearborn Heights District 7 Schools, who just started as their brand new superintendent.
1: Hello, we'd like to welcome Dr. Ty Weeks. The new superintendent of Dearborn Heights School District Number Seven, and through the Metro Bureau, I was fortunate enough to be a part of the superintendent search for D Seven, along with MLI. Um, and through this process, I got to meet Dr. Weeks and learn about him as a person and, and as an educational leader. So, welcome, Dr. Weeks. Um, Thank you for having me. Oh, so glad you're here with us. So, to start, will you share a little bit about yourself, your background, and your educational journey?
2: Well, I am originally from Detroit, and born and raised in Detroit, lived there until I went off to college, Porn, uh, proud graduate of the Detroit Public Schools. I went to Eastern Michigan University for all of my academic studies. I spent a significant amount of time at EMU. I actually love the school. So I did my undergraduate there, my master's program, and I finished a doctorate there a couple of years ago. So that's me from an academic standpoint. I'm just starting my 18th year as a public school educator. I've been everything from a classroom teacher, uh, teaching English and history, to a basketball coach for a short period of time. Uh, Worked in special projects, director of of adult education, building principal, Um, did some work in state and federal programs, and then this year in December was fortunate to take on the role of superintendent. Uh, Married, my wife is also an educator, Uh, love of my life, best friend, companion. Um, She really just allows for me to keep things in perspective. You know, a lot of times when we're in this trajectory, sometimes we can become very focused on the work and staying committed to the work because we want to do right by people. But she makes sure that I keep the priority on like family. So we have three wonderful children, eleven, nine, and 2. My two-year-old is my inspiration. And I literally, I, I mean that because, you know, I'm at a point in my life right now, I just turned 45. And so... Having a two-year-old was not on uh, our—we didn't necessarily plan for a two-year-old, so she's my motivation. She encourages me um, in her own way for me to kind of stay—make sure I'm staying healthy, you know, so I can be around for her. Um, Education, as I said before, I was talking to Sean Patterson about this, and he caught—he actually caught something I said during the interview. And I wasn't trying to sound like a cliche. I just really mean it. You know, education saved my life. And so as a result of that— I have always felt both an honor and a privilege to be an educator because there were teachers when I came through Detroit Public Schools who saw things in me as a kid that I didn't see in myself, you know. I lived in a neighborhood that had a lot of adverse circumstances, and I, I say that not to glorify that in any way. It was just, you know, we, we had a lot of challenges in, in the in the community. Um, but I was thankful and fortunate to have my mom and dad in my life, and my mom and dad have been married for 57 years. Um, I always joke with my mom. I say, I don't know how you do it. <laughs> but, she, but 57 years and they're um, both uh, relatively doing well in terms of health. Um, I learned a lot of lessons through my brothers and sisters. I'm a um, one of five. And so um, that's kind of me in a nutshell from um, a personal and an academic standpoint.
1: You tell the best stories. I've always said that about you, Ty. I, I appreciate. It. I've gotten experiences through your interview process and, and and getting to know you. So, and, um, I love the fact that you, Think about education not only through your lens as an educator and your wife and her, the work that she does, but also through the lens as a parent.
2: Oh, indeed, absolutely, it,
1: absolutely. And um, I can just say, I'm going to be a grandma. I just learned, so Check I, you, I out. you know, now I have a new lens because I want to think about the future. So there's that. So <laughs> well, I
2: will tell you this: so you, <laughs> like so many educators, you're the embodiment of like we have this timelessness within us. I don't know what it is about education. Maybe it's the fact that we work with kids but i see educators who you know they are progressing in age and they don't look their age so whatever you are doing keep doing <laughs> yeah, it yeah
1: well no one can see me on screen keep so that's doing a good it. thing keep that's doing a good it. thing <laughs> So those who are aspiring to go into leadership and, and, you know, the roles, including that of the superintendency, could you tell us a little bit about the experience that you had um, going through the process of interviewing and and kind of how you prepare? Because I think there's so many uh, educators right now are like, do we take that next leap? And what does it look like? Mm -hmm. So if you could share a little bit about that, Ty.
2: So I want to first lift up that I've had some tremendous mentors. Um, Just been exceptionally fortunate to have um, tremendous people who have um, kept me close and showed me a lot. And, and I've learned a great deal from them. If I can drop a few names, Joyce Hunter was one of my first supervisors when I was in Ann Arbor Public Schools. Dr. Victor Kinderley. Um, building principals, Michael White, Salora Jackson, building principal. Uh, superintendents, Dr. Janice Swift from Ann Arbor Public Schools. Um, Dr. Chris Delgado uh, from Farmington mm-hmm. Public Schools. Just an exceptional human being. Uh, And so, throughout this process, and I I tell people, and it's my story, so I don't know if it's applicable to other people, but it's for me, like, I've never been one to actually, like, seek positions. I truly believe that, like, do right by people and do right by kids and do good quality work. And as you focus on that type of stuff, then opportunities avail themselves. And as you continue to progress and prepare yourself... When opportunity does come up, you're ready to go, you know? So when I was going through this process, ironically, um, this is my second time applying for a superintendency. When I completed my doctorate degree, a friend of mine encouraged me to apply for the Saline Public Schools position. And so I did that. And Saline is a great school community, academically sound, one of the best in the state. And so I applied, and this is my first time applying for a superintendency position, and I got an interview and was a finalist, and I did very well. And um, at least I've been told I did well. So, you know, in this day and age now, everything is, you know, everything is publicized, you know? (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) So, I had friends and colleagues who were blowing up my text messages and giving me calls, encouraging me, telling me how proud they were. And so, when I had the opportunity to apply for this position, uh, like I said before, Dr. Chris Delgado in Farmington Public Schools, I, I, first thing when I got the uh, opportunity to interview, I called him up because, you know, you want to be transparent. And so I told Chris that I was interviewing for—I was offered a chance to interview for a position. And he said, Ty, um, let me know what you need. Uh, I'm here. And so I said, Chris, if you really mean that, I'm going to take you up on it. So he said I wouldn't have offered it if I didn't mean it. So I, I called him up. And he just kind of walked me through the process. And he said, like, you're going to expect this during the first interview and, you know, make sure that you are telling your story, make sure that you're lifting up some of the things that you've done. Like, you you want to be able to talk about things that you've done, you know? And so, like, when you go through an interview, it's not always about, like, theoretical responses. Like, what have you done? And even when you have learned from experiences that maybe didn't go the way that you wanted it to go, you still have learned from experiences that maybe didn't go so well, right? So you can talk about how you've grown and matured throughout the process. So I just firmly believe in being transparent and just, you know, being genuine and staying the course. And one of the things that I, I tell people when I went through the process in D7, I was not trying to be a prescribed version of myself. I had no, I was not trying to present myself like a superintendent, like a, you know, not saying that superintendents are a certain way, but... I just was trying to be the best version of me and I said to myself if this is something that this community is willing to take on if if they are okay with me being the best version of me then it'll be a good match. Like you you are much interviewing them as they're interviewing you and it got to be it has to be a good fit. Mm-hmm. So, you know, make sure that you are you thinking about community engagement, vision, purpose, strategic planning, data, um, you know, all those things that we kind of know that we should know going into an interview, but packaging that in a way that you're being very genuine and being very personable.
1: And that, that's what I saw through your interview, just being a person on the outside as, as one of the consultants. But you were very authentic. Um, you were very transparent. You were very prepared. But it was it was a you could tell through the through that process. It was about the fit for you as well as them. And I do think that's important for people to realize whatever next step they're going into, whether it's to be a assistant principal, principal, mm-hmm. central office person, mm-hmm. it's about the fit and finding where that works. And, and you displayed that so, so well. And I've told you this before. Um, I would go to work for you tomorrow oh, because I was, I, so much. no, well, I, I really felt the passion that you had for education and for D7. Um, you're you're very committed. So that that was it was it was very powerful for me as a person that. kind of sitting on the sitting on the side. So um talk to us a little bit about your transition because you went from Farmington in a different role in central office to your first superintendency. Yeah. So talk about that a little bit and maybe maybe even some advice that you have for new superintendents or even current superintendents okay. as you kind of Go
2: through that. Well, I want to first acknowledge um, like we had a really unique um, process, but one that was very well thought out. So I accepted the position in late November and started somewhere like the second week in December, which is a really unique time to start a job, any job. But then when you come on as a superintendent, that's also a very unique, you know, element. And so for two weeks, I was actually shadowing the interim superintendent, Dr. Marianne Sear, who is now the interim superintendent in Melvindale. And so I shadowed her for two weeks, and she just ran the gambit of the community. It was like, you know, a world tour. We met the mayor of Dearborn Heights. We met city council people. We looked at board policy. We looked at, you know, the code of, um, code of conduct. We met the building principals. We met people in the community. So she just did a phenomenal job of just really just introducing me to people. And so for two weeks, I was able to just just kind of observe things, you know, go to all the buildings, be present, um, meet staff, meet students, meet family people. And so that was real cool. And then we went on break, and then we came back, and I'm at the helm, you know? (laughs) And it is really uh, a monumental thing to start a job like this in the middle of a school year. But... As much as you can, you try to stay in the moment and and don't be overwhelmed by it because it's a big job. It's a big responsibility, you know. So just stay in the moment. Uh, I have a tremendous uh, administrative assistant. I cannot, I cannot. (laughs) We love Eve. Oh, my goodness. I'm telling you. So (laughs) Eve is a rock star. And I think it's also important in terms of leadership. Like you recognize that sometimes there are certain positions that get a lot of glory and a lot of recognition. But it's the it's the people behind the scenes who actually make the make things move. You know, your assistant people or even in the buildings, like your secretarial oh, yeah. staff, maintenance staff, uh, hall monitors. All these are people who are the eyes and ears of the district. And so I had a chance to meet all those people. And so, like, when you formulate those relationships and I cannot talk enough about relationships, like you're not going to be effective doing anything without relationships. And what people pick up on It's genuine relationships. Mm -hmm. Are you doing this because you're being opportunistic or are you doing this because you really care about people? You know, so like when you connect with people and find out their story and find out, you know, what got them to be where they are. And then a lot of times through the sharing of stories, you can see commonalities. So the commonalities are they they supersede race. They supersede gender. They supersede socioeconomic status. What are our common threads? You know, and one of the common threads that you have with people is like we love school. And And we all have been to school and we've all been to school, (laughs) you know, and so, you know, those are the things that when I came to D7, it's like, you know, there's this passion about what makes D7 special. And like one of our like our moniker is the D7, what, you know, the D7 difference. Right. And so what makes us different is it's a quaint community that is really focused on family niche, being um, connected with each other. Um, preserving a sense of community while still having a focus on opportunity. Right. And so that's what really makes it special. So um, that transition has been like I'm still I still feel like I'm in it. I was talking to a principal this morning. Uh, I started in December and I said, like, even though I'm in the process, I kind of feel like it's prep for July 1. Like (laughs) like July 1 is like my job, like I'm in my job now, but I really feel like 22, 23 is going to be. You know, when my job starts, like right now, everything we're doing right now is focusing on ending the school year on a positive note and prepping for next right. next September. So right. what our PD is going to look like, what our opening day is going to look like, what our PD focus is going to be for the school year. Um, what partnerships are we, are we developing right now that hopefully we can have, you know, in place for next school year. So we do some exciting things. I'm, I'm very happy about that.
1: It's very interesting this time of year, being a former superintendent. Mm-hmm. It's where you're closing at a school year to a point, but you're also planning for the next school year.
2: Absolutely. In terms
1: of budget, professional development, how you want to open the school year. It, this this is like the the hot hot time, for lack of a better phrase. Absolutely. For a school district to kind of do all that work, plus being a new superintendent, yep. because most come in, majority come in July one some j- January 1st, but you came in a, a very unique time and Absolutely. and you had some great mentorship. So that's great. So I have a couple final kind of questions mm-hmm. for you. Um, kind of like the best part of your job that you've found so far. And then advice for new superintendents mm-hmm. that you, th- you might have too. And you even kind of spoke to it. I think the relationship and engagement mm-hmm. part is huge and I can't maybe to back up before I even have you answer that question, those questions. Um, you are so engaged with students. The student relationship mm-hmm. piece, too, is is so huge. So if you want to speak to that with my other two questions, and I'm sorry, I'm kind of— No, you're fine. You're fine. <laughs> but the best part of your job as well as um, advice?
2: So it's all kind of interconnected. So the best part of my job is, like, visioning for, like, possibilities. And you can't do that in a vacuum. So— Connecting with kids and learning about, like, kids will tell you everything that you need to know. <laughs> like, we as adults have to be prepared to actually hear what they're saying to us. And so, you know, I've had a chance to interview a lot of different groups, for lack of a better terms. We call them stakeholders, right? So just connect with a lot of different groups about what's going on in the district that you would want to keep, what things should we maybe do a little less of, and what things can we do more of. And so I had a chance to connect with a high school group at the, uh, in the district. So I had 40 kids in our cafeteria, and I have to admit, you know, I, 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 I didn't bribe them, but I got them pizza, right? So kids <laughs> will work. They'll tell you everything over <laughs> a slice of pizza. So I had pizza, we had pizza and cookies and pop and different treats. And so we kind of gradually spoke with them about what things do you really love about D7? And so they're telling you. And then what things do you want to keep doing? And then what things you want to stop doing? And when they got to the stop, oh, they just kind of told you, you know, everything. And that's okay, right? Because we're here for them. And, like, so so we as adults always, we look at data, statistical data, quantifiable data, and we do all these things. You know, what do test scores tell us? But sometimes just listening to kids and asking them, like, what has your experience been like? And so I just listened to these young people, and then I took all of the information that the young people told us, the parents, the stakeholder groups, the staff, and just you know we're formulating all of this into a package, and so my goal is to um roll this out in April to our board of education um and I stole the idea it's called Listen and Learn tour, so you know nothing is new under the sun, so <laughs> it's great
1: I, to ha- yeah. have other people's ideas Absolutely. no no need to recreate
2: <laughs> i would tell I would tell anybody going into leadership find out who is doing really good work right. And then what can you borrow? And then naturally you're going to kind of morph that to do what's you know in, uh, interconnected with your personality, uh, and so so it works for you. So it, it's, it becomes yours, but it's not an original idea. And so uh, working with kids has always been something that I've always um, extraordinarily uh, enjoyed. But now you know you do that visioning work. Like when you go into a school, you see all the potential. So you know that you're doing, you have great people in classrooms, great people in leadership positions, but what can you do to take the next step forward? And so that is something that uh, I really um, have been finding a lot of joy in. And then just just doing the work, staying engaged in the work. So connect with kids, connect with adults, make sure that you are um, putting people in the appropriate places, and then, like, what's your vision? And then once you can really conceptualize what your vision is getting people to buy in for lack of better terms, like to the vision. Cause we all want to, we all want to be in the best environment. We all want to make sure that, you know, our learning experience is one that when kids come through, they're able to, regardless of, you know, race, SES, regardless of what the variables are, uh, gender, that kids can be a better version of themselves when they get through 13 or 14 years of, of public school. And so, that's what, always been my mantra, and that's what I try to lead by.
1: Well, thank you for being with us today, Ty. I, you know, your advice, your stories, your positivity, and your leadership. Oh, thank you so much. It's so amazing. Um, best of luck to you as you continue your journey as superintendent for D7. Um, We know that two days are never the same. Oh, (laughs) that's a fact. (laughs) Facts. (laughs) Facts. And we've talked a lot about that behind the scenes, too, that you just don't know what's going to come your way. Every day is different. Every day is different, even before the whole COVID piece that we've been dealing with. But every day is different. So, and as a former superintendent, it's important so much to network and build relationship in the district and beyond. Um, So just know that we're here for you. We're here for superintendents. And um, we cannot celebrate enough the work that you do. And and congratulations. Is there any other final thoughts that you have?
2: Special thank you to Metro Bureau, uh, Michigan Leadership Institute, Mesa, just those organizations alone. Like, we're not in this work in a vacuum. We're not in a silo. So lean, uh, lean on great people. Those are great organizations that... You know, I have been fortunate to connect with and I hope to continue to develop this relationship. So I appreciate that.
1: All right, thanks. Thanks everyone for being with us today. And we hope you will go through this journey of educational leadership with us too. Take care, bye-bye.
0: Thanks so much for listening with us on the Metro Minute. This cast is powered by K-12 Media, always helping schools communicate with their communities. Remember, our next two episodes are looking at what it's like to be a current superintendent, and a school leader who's headed towards retirement. By the way, we'd love to see your comments or questions on this cast. Be sure to hit the like and subscribe button so you're always notified of up-and-coming episodes. Don't forget to visit our website at metrobureau.org for everything trending in public education in southeastern Michigan. We're so excited to see you next time for The Metro Minute.